Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie-Weissman, the Editor-in-Chief at Modern Retail. And this week, we have Seth Goldman, who's the CEO of Urban Stems. I'm really excited to talk about the, the virtual flowers and plant space. I talked with a company about this a few years ago, but I feel like now more than ever, people are really interested in buying these types of products online that were once, you know, you got them in a plant store. But Seth, uh, I know that Urban Stems has been on a huge upward trajectory. You've raised a lot of money of late. Um, and so I'm excited to dig into all of this. But how are you? Thank you for joining me. Yeah, Kel, thank you for having me. We're, we're really excited to be here. The company has been growing. We're, we're excited about the future of flowers and plants. And while it is digital and virtual it's, uh, in terms of where you order. It is a very physical gift and a very emotional gift, and that's what's important. Uh, someone did pitch to me the idea of selling NFTs of our flowers. <laughs> I don't know quite how that would work. Obviously, I like it if they would actually buy it and pay money for something. But uh, for now, we are going to stick with that, that physical gift, sending something really beautiful and special and making it as easy as possible to do so. Absolutely. That's funny. An NFT of a flower. I suppose uh, an NFT of an orchid is probably easier to take care of, though. So, but that's, you know. <laughs> so first, let's start at the beginning. Like, what's what's your background? Uh, sort of how did you end up in the, the e-commerce plant space? Yeah, I started my e-commerce career at an amazing company called Quidzy, which was acquired by Amazon. And it just had a ton of forward-thinking really brilliant people. And I was so proud to be a part of that. And that's where I met actually the original founder of Urban Stems, Ajay Corey. And he and I became fast friends. We worked together on the pets food site, wag.com at Quidzy. And, and then we parted ways uh, where I went to go and help build the US division of a company called HelloFresh, which had become a, you know, a nice household name in the US now very proud of the work that we did there and the work they've continued to do. And then I reunited with Ajay at Urban Stems in 2017, them having started to really grow this business and prove out that customers, especially younger customers, were really excited about a different way of buying flowers and plants to send to friends and loved ones. So what made you decide to jump ship? Or I don't know if jump ship is the right word, but like going from food to plants, what made you decide to do that? I saw that there were things about the industry which I should naturally understand, the perishable nature of it. And then there were things that I really was fascinated about that we were doing. We were doing hand delivery, same day delivery, which I think is the future of pretty much every category. We were doing that very, very well. We have a really amazing operations and courier team that zip around New York and Washington, D.C., delivering happiness seven days a week, 360 odd days a year. And I really wanted to be a part of that and really excited about building that part of the business. And then we, we built some other parts as well. Wow. I'm, I want to get into all those other parts, but you sort of hinted at this, but can you just walk me through the business model of Urban Stems? Like, how do you do the warehousing? Where is all of the supply kept? Is it, you know, how do, how do all the back end things work such that if I'm in New York City right now, supposedly I can say, I want this plant and it'll be delivered to me today. Is that correct? That's right. So... Our business is a mix of same day hand delivered in select cities, New York and DC, and then next day around the country. So we can deliver to the lower 48 next day, uh, flowers and plants, as well as our dry bouquets, which are really, really beautiful. 
those do last a lot longer, which is one of the things we think customers like about them. They're great for home decor as well. The business works by bringing product mostly into the country. It turns out that most flowers are not grown domestically. Some are in California. And then in the summer months, uh, there are more places around the U.S. that you can get them. And we try to do so when we can. A lot of our flowers come from South America, uh, mainly Ecuador and Colombia. Those are the two largest growing regions for flowers. They come in into Miami, which is the biggest port of entry into the U.S. We then distribute them from Miami to our biggest facility in Maryland and then around the country to other facilities. And from there, we redistribute that product to New York and D.C. So you can tell how easy this is so far. Uh, and from there, an order that you place on the website, for example, right now today in New York, would go from our dark store, which you've heard about in other industries. You can't walk in there. But our amazing team is standing there at the ready to receive your order, place your bouquet in our very, very stylish box, and zip it out via courier messenger to your loved one or friend or other recipient that you wanted to make their day today. All right. So like, let me just make sure I understand this. Do you have two dark stores, one in D.C., one in New York, and the rest of the sort of next day orders are fulfilled in your Maryland warehouse? We have a third store in Brooklyn. So we've divided New York into Manhattan and Brooklyn. Makes sense. And then the rest of the country is serviced by Maryland, as well as a couple of other locations just to be closer to the customers there. Got it. And are the couriers that you use for a same day do you have? Do you do that all in house? Do you use a third party? How does that work? It's mostly in house. Uh, all of our bike messengers are W twos, uh, and the cars are majority ten ninety nine. But these are things we're always considering and trying to do what's the best for uh, our partners who are and employees, as well as what makes sense for the business needs. Got it. And so can you just walk me through the growth that you've seen over the last few years? Because I know that I'm pretty sure last year you raised a pretty significant round of funding, if I'm not mistaken. But also, you've been around for, for quite a few years now as a brand. So how, where, where have you put your investments over the years that you've seen outsized impact? Yeah, that's a great question. The, the two business models for delivery, as I mentioned, are same day and next day. So it's about investing in each of them and nurturing them. Uh, each of them has its own strengths as a business and for eventually the customer and their recipients. So our, our latest round of funding, and we announced this, the investments are really going into team infrastructure and technology, uh, some into marketing as well. But when we say team, we saw a lot of roles that were going to help us deliver a better customer experience, both digitally and physically. Infrastructure, we're able to invest more in our Maryland facility and look at other facilities that could help us grow, become more profitable, add more options for our customers when they're shopping with us. And then on the technology side, we like many companies that look like us from a distribution standpoint or an e-commerce standpoint, really saw the opportunity to build tech and tools to make the customer experience better, less friction filled, and the same thing for our employees. So there's a lot of work to continue to do across all three areas, but those are gonna be the main areas of investment with the capital that we raised. Got it. Can you talk a little about the tech investments? What what are the, I'm always interested to hear what that means. Yeah. Gifting is a very unique space. So I'll use subscription as, as an example. Mm -hmm. We would love to increase our subscription business as would everyone. It's a recurring revenue business. But more importantly is why would a customer do that? 
What are they hoping to get out of that relationship with us? How is that relationship different in gifting than it might be in a traditional relationship, say, with my previous employer at HelloFresh? So for starters, the biggest difference is that the customer and recipient are often different. And in fact, in a subscription, you may even want to choose to send it to multiple different recipients, really just using the subscription as a way to lock yourself into being more thoughtful, sending more gratitude, whatever your goal is as a customer. So we want to make the subscription easier to manage, easily change where it's going. And also, if your recipient isn't going to be home that day, we want to make it easy for them to tell us that without having to go through you, Mr. or Mrs. Customer. So there's a lot of thought that has to go into building the technology to make it work for a gifting environment. So subscription is just one example. Figuring out how to get you the freshest, absolute freshest bouquets every day is another thing. It sounds simple, but there's a lot of logic and math that has to go into that. Um, And just continuing to build out what is a pretty challenging uh, supply chain and customer journey chain. So we're really excited to build journeys for customers that match the way they want to buy gifts that, again, is going to be very different from how you might buy something for yourself on Amazon. And, and all of that factors in what day do you want it, um, other things that are under consideration as well. Can you, let's talk a little bit more about the customer journey, because I'm interested just to know how you approach that. What are the things you're thinking about? I feel like I've I've bought flowers a couple of times, usually for my mom, like on Mother's Day or something like that. And I've, you know, I feel like there are a few websites out there, but they're pretty analog and they look a lot like Amazon, I would say, you know, with a few other things. But what what are the how what are the customer journey touch points that you've been focusing on that you found have resonated best with your customers? I would say that there are two things that we've done that have really shined through that customers really enjoy. The first is our partnerships. We partner with the likes of Vogue create really high-end, unique, um, beautiful bouquets that have stems that you would traditionally only find, say, at weddings or special events, mm-hmm. and, and just give that extra wow factor. And secondarily is the add-ons and specific vases and other things that you can do to customize your gift. And it takes a lot of emphasis across the board from merchandising to supply chain to technology to get these specific add-ons and be able to offer them across the country. Very few people, if not no one, is able to do it in the way that we're doing. And that's not by accident. There's a lot of emphasis and work that goes into that. Mm-hmm. How are you investing? This might be a stupid question, but I, I, I just want to know. Like you, you say you're investing in technology. Like what is the technology on the actual bouquet creation front? Or are you just hiring florists or do you have robots who are going to gonna make nice bouquets for you? I've, I've seen robot bouquet making. I think it's not <laughs> quite there yet. <laughs> uh, there, there is automation that you can put in warehouses for sure. We look into that. If not, just data so we can track you know, how people are doing and where, where people might be struggling within a warehouse environment. But we also want to ensure we're really maintaining our cold chain throughout, uh, just like a vegetable that you leave on your countertop versus keep in your fridge, you know that it's going to last longer if you keep it in your fridge. Flowers are no exception. They want to be kept perfectly in 34 to 36 degrees. And so the more we can do to track that and maintain that, the longer they'll last, uh, both with us, but more importantly, with the end consumer. There's also some really cool newfangled technology that's coming out that we're always looking at. We found things like micro perforation machines that poke laser holes to allow the bouquet to sit in its own little atmosphere environment. 
that are allowed to last longer. These are still in their infancy. They're also used in agriculture. So blueberries and other fruit that you're seeing, so that can last longer. And we get to see what's working in agriculture and see if it can be applicable to flowers. And the more we can do to get product to last longer for our consumers, the more valuable that will be. So those are things that we're always looking out for, especially for delicate and fragile stems that are often some of the most beautiful that we'd love to use, but don't have the vase life to make them viable in an e-commerce environment. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Um, I want to talk about growth because uh, I'm always interested to hear how, how companies have done. And I, I think I found a Bloomberg article from a year or so ago that mentioned that 2020 was really a, a big year for you. And in some ways, it makes sense, given that everybody was buying things at home. So people weren't going to to florists likely. But like, walk me through what did you see? What type of growth have you seen? And how how are you trying to approach the the retention side of things? Yeah, great question. So certainly saw strong growth uh, as customers shifted more digitally in 2020. I would say that the first two weeks in March of 2020 were second two weeks when were very scary. In New York and DC, we actually saw a 60% decline in our business there as customers really used us to send to offices and people just stopped going to offices. Mm. From there, there was a shift in business more to where people lived rather than where people worked. We actually made a decision to shut down our local delivery operations for three months for public health and safety reasons for our employees. And we reopened that, I guess, at this point in a little over a year and a half ago in July of 2020. Um, we saw revenue growth continue to scale in 2021. And in 2022, you're right, I think that not just for urban stems, but for all brands, it's about starting to make sure that all of these customers that tried us out or whatever brand out are, are sticking. And so the things that we are working on are a fewfold. One, creating the physical products that customers want, need, and will round out their, their needs, whether those are in the florals or non-floral part of our business. Two, on the digital side, two examples. One, I already shared with you, which is subscription, and just continuing to iterate that to make it meet the needs of a customer who, like you, might be shopping Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, and maybe one or two other occasions. How do we make that super, super easy for you? And what are those customer journeys that we can make that? And then third, we just recently launched a loyalty program. So we're really going to work with our, our customers to ensure that not only are we incentivizing them to come back, but those are listing posts that we can use to make sure that we are giving customers what they need so that they stick with us. Mm -hmm. For a loyalty program, who would you say is, is the target for that? Is that just a person who loves flowers? Is it a person who gifts a lot? Or is it a business that often sends, you know, sends gifts to other people? Who, how are you thinking about that? We think about businesses a little bit differently, and we do have a small team dedicated to meeting the needs of B2B or B2B to C customers. Yeah. So an example might be a company who during a lockdown or a shift to remote wants to send a plant to every employee on their first day so they can feel connected. So we've had a number of businesses that have signed up with us for programs like that. On the loyalty program, that is mainly around our core consumer who is a gifter and a floral gifter that mm -hmm. is someone who really enjoys flowers themselves typically, who understands the difference between a rose and a ranunculus, something that I could not have taken credit for before I came mm -hmm. to Urban Stems. But it's really 
we're not necessarily the true aficionado. We, we love people who ask questions. We try to put out some videos to explain the, the beauty of some of the stems that we work with, that they are more special. Even for Valentine's Day, for example, our red rose bouquet was not a run-of-the-mill red rose bouquet. It included uh, these roses that actually had red and black parts to them, the sort of moody roses with these really intricate geometric patterns that you weren't going to find if you went to a supermarket on your rush home. So we try to make it to be a very different experience. We do need our customers to some degree to understand that because they want to know why a dozen roses from Urban Stems might be 20 or $30 more than what they're seeing elsewhere, or even more than that. So we're, we're trying to educate our customers about what we're sending because a lot of thought goes into the product and the rest of the customer journey. That's what I wanted to ask you about that, just in terms of education and product discovery. Would you say it's easier now than it was, say, pre-2019 to get someone over the hump about buying flowers online? I feel like before it was very much about seeing it, understanding what this specific bouquet's collection would look like. You would want to touch it, maybe smell it, and you know maybe trust the person who's baking it. Now it's it's more a box on a screen. So is there is there a, is, is are you still having customers who have difficulty with that? How are you going about that, or is it just now an overwhelming? People are like, I buy everything online now. I think there certainly was a shift, and that shift will continue. The core customer for us is probably someone who is and always was comfortable buying things online. So mm -hmm. just trying us out was a little bit just a smaller leap of faith. I would say something I'm going to tell you that's going to crush you a little bit. Most flowers have actually had the smell bred out of them because the smell is a releasing of gas. You're crushing gas, me. Gas kills flowers. There are some varieties we use that still have that beautiful, sweet floral smell. And I would love to use more of those, but we want the flowers to, to live and live longer. So that, that was something that crushed me a little bit when I learned it. But the, the idea is that we wanted to help people who were used to walking into a florist feel comfortable moving that experience online. Not necessarily better, but feeling comfortable. So the two ways, for example, that customers typically shop a florist, whether they're walking in or they're calling them, which is still a big way that people talk to local florists before they buy, is by price point, which is understood and by color palette. So we've been very big on arranging our bouquets around color palette. There are people who really want a white bouquet. There are people who really like a yellow or orange bouquet. People want it to be more green. People who want it to be purple. People who want it to be red around Valentine's Day. So our product is often arranged around color palette as well as price point, just to make that experience that you used to have offline with the florist feel more organic when you're on our website. And I think that there's still more that we can do to get the customer more comfortable using technology the same way that other brands have done that. Um, you know, I don't know if we're going to go to the extreme of trying to add ourselves to the metaverse and see what the bouquet looks like in someone's home with AR or VR, but people want to, I think, understand what the gift is going to mean. At the end of the day, though, I actually think people are really it's a weird thing to say, but they're paying for the note card, that, that personalized note that they're sending to someone. And it's the flowers are just sort of like this beautiful punch that comes along with it or the plant or the orchid. And what you're really saying is, I love you. 
I care about you. Uh, I miss you. I'm sorry. Conveying very, very important emotions for people for often their, their most important life moments. Uh, and sometimes just every day, which is almost even the more special. And then you surprise them with this beautiful gift that, that surrounds that note. Given that the products you sell are most of the time gifted, like how you mentioned the loyalty program, you mentioned subscriptions, but what are the other ways that you're 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 thinking about making it so that people come back to you? Because it feels like that's the most difficult nut to crack because it's not something that people are frequently buying for themselves or it's not a necessity like, you know, HelloFresh, which was I'm buying groceries. So like, are, are there anything else other than, you know, these two things and just making for a good experience that you're thinking about so that people consistently go back to you? Yeah, we are trying to help people expand their thinking about what is a good occasion to send flowers for. Actually, our most we are about 90% gifts. So you're, you're right that the vast majority of use cases are some sort of gift, whether again, that's corporate or consumer, more and more consumer at this point. Birthday is actually our number one send occasion. So we would love to see people do that. It's uh, And you can surround the gift with other items like a vase, a candle, a chocolate that really make it feel like more than just flowers and and a full bundled offering. And that's something that we specialize in. And in terms of keeping people coming back, that's about two things, making it easier and more special. So we want to make it as few clicks as possible to send something that's as special as possible. So the, the easier we can make the experience, the better, and the more special that experience can feel for that recipient, then you get this sort of afterglow. That person calls you, they feel just so wonderful. They feel so joyful. They feel so happy having received that gift from you. That's going to be a feedback loop that impacts how you feel about the brand and what it brought to you. Your mom calls you and said, I've, these are the most beautiful flowers. Thank you so much. It really brightened my day. And you're going to say to yourself, that's great. Now we have to have the hooks to get in there. We want to remember 360, 350 days later to remind you mom's birthday is coming back again. And we want to use all the, the digital tools of the modern era to, that we can help you get in habits that, that make your life again easier. So it's about, again, finding more opportunities that make sense for flowers giving you a well-rounded gifting experience, making the digital experience as easy as possible, reaching you where you are. So if it's not email, if you want to be reached via SMS uh, or you know, if you actually want us to call you, we'll figure that out and we'll help set you up with that order or that series of orders that, that you put in at the beginning of the year so that you feel like, great, I've got that all checked off. I feel good. I feel like I am on a path to delivering thank yous and gratitude this year and feeling really good about myself. So you're absolutely right in this category. We're, we're always searching for ways to make our customers feel good about sending more. You mentioned earlier that most of your customers are, are quite used to ordering things online. That's not really a big hump for them to buy flowers. What, so with that, what are, what are your biggest acquisition channels? How are you finding these people? Sure. We, Certainly like a lot of other digitally native brands are using digital acquisition channels like Google, Facebook, like everyone else, we saw that the challenges of Facebook over the last six months or so. We affiliate is a big channel for us and we can go talk through all the different digital channels we're using. We're experimenting with TikTok, Snapchat, et cetera. I think it's about also the 
other areas where we're leaning in. So the partnerships we have with, with Vogue, with Kate Spade, with even brands that we partner with, like a Sugarfina that we sell their, their candies and we do joint giveaways with, with our partner brands and trying to make sure that people become aware of us so that the first time we're hitting them with an ad isn't the first time they're hearing about us so we can move it a little bit closer to purchase. But there, there's a ton of work to be done there. I think that all brands are exploring new ways of reaching customers. You have a ton of e-commerce brands that are moving offline, looking at the retail experience. There are 30,000 or so local florists that that's what they do every day. So I think that we, while we have a traditional point of view about where we can spend the majority of our dollars on digital advertising, I think we're always trying to experiment with new channels and we're always going to be looking for non-digital opportunities, whether that's TV, radio, et cetera, that have worked for a long time. So we can be comfortable and confident that we are expanding our reach in terms of at least eyeballs and people becoming aware of who we are. How do you go about choosing who you partner with? So what, what made Kate, you, th- you said Kate Spade, right? Yeah. How, like how, like what, what made Kate Spade work in terms of being a good urban stems partner? Yeah, we, we've seen that there is an element of symbiosis might be the wrong word, but something like that between fashion and flowers. Mm-hmm. And so with Kate Spade, they're actually using some of their high design vases. And then we put in the flowers. And I think in the same way I've heard, you should never give someone a wallet as a gift without money in it. <laughs> you, you should never, in my mind, give someone a vase without flowers in it. And that's really the complimentary part of the business. So we really love their design, their their approach uh, to the space and the products that, that we could work with, with them on that. Same thing with Vogue. Vogue had a very great point of view around fashion and how that could be applied to flowers and floral. And they really wanted to figure out a way to partner with someone who could expand that to a national partnership. And in fact, it was... The first day we worked with Vogue was the first day that we went nationwide. Those two things happened at the exact same time. And that partnership has been ongoing for about four years. So we're we're very excited for partners who see that fashion element. And we see fashion, wellness, brands, fragrance, things that, that feel like they could be a natural extension of floral. And then we want to work with brands that we feel match our values uh, and that we're proud to support and that are proud to support us. Um, sometimes those are small, scrappy, digital native brands, just like us. Uh, and sometimes those are larger partners like a Vogue and a Kate Spade. So you you said that you're always looking into sort of non-digital channels. Um, and you you mentioned even like sort of physical retail. I, you guys have, have tested out pop-ups, right? You've done pop-ups before. We did. We tested out a pop-up in the Northern Virginia area at a mall. Uh, a really great mall in the Tyson's Corner area outside of DC. And we got a a really nice array of traffic. I would say from a revenue perspective, I'll be honest, it it didn't quite meet the mark. However, the most amazing thing that we learned is that almost 90% of the people that walked in there didn't know who we were before they, they walked in there. And that was a striking data point because this was less than 30 minutes outside of downtown DC, which is where we started this company and where we think we have tremendous brand recognition and awareness. And it just went to show how not far that extended 
or even how much further we have to go, potentially even in DC and New York, our core markets, in terms of getting the awareness play out about our brand. And that is something we somewhat put on hold during COVID, but I think we and many other digitally native brands have to explore what does retail or out of home look like in terms of driving awareness for their services that could be very meaningful to driving customers to their sites and making a purchase. So what does that mean for you? Uh, is that like, just mean national TV ads or, you know, it sounds like pop-ups didn't really work in the revenue way that you wanted it to. I think the question is stepping back and saying, does a pop-up have to work as a revenue generator? We've had brands approach us to give us free space in their stores, for example, in New York, because we bring flowers. Flowers make people happy. And so is that an example of something we'd want to do and just have flowers there and their customers come in, become aware of us, et cetera? Is that easy enough to do from a logistics and supply chain standpoint? Does that create enough awareness? If, we're, if only 100 people come into the store a day, that might feel pointless. So we can absolutely run local, regional, and national TV ads. We came out with a new ad ahead of Valentine's Day this year. It dramatically outperformed our last ad, so we were very, very happy about it. And we'll continue to run that when we can and when it, the numbers make sense. I think that it's there's gonna we're gonna have to continue to test. If there's anything I've learned from being in the e-commerce space over the last ten years is if you're not testing, you're moving backwards. All right, we're just about running out of time, but I have a few more questions. One is just sort of, you know, what's the focus for this year? You know, you're available nationwide, you know, in the lower 48, you said. Are you thinking of expanding to other cities for same day? Or are you just, or is New York and D.C. the core areas and it's just building the other parts out? Yeah, I think we we have to continue to build out our next day business. It's become the larger share of our business and making that iteratively better and better and better. How do we provide better customer journeys you know, from sea to shining sea. And then on the same day, we're, we're always evaluating what new cities we could jump into because we love that experience. We love the ability to hand deliver a bouquet to a customer's recipient, make that person's day by someone who's wearing an Urban Stems hoodie or t-shirt or whatever the weather situation might be in that city at the moment. And we're pursuing those in parallel. As I mentioned, building out the technology that underpins both of those experiences so that our customers are getting an ever improving digital experience and physical experience. So they, they all have to work in tandem so that the customer comes first. Got it. Well, Seth, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you for joining. Thank you so much for hosting me, Kale. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and a rating. See you next week.